Hi, willkommen zum <lacht> Welcome to the Post World Podcast 6th Edition, uh, recorded at Karl Marx Studios Bunker somewhere in Berlin. Today we have a very special guest. He's a friend of the house, the virus, Mr. Hey. Philip Byrus, thank you for coming. <laughs> hey, Pablo and Sven. Nice. <laughs> Happy to be here. Philip, you are a director, producer, visual artist, video clip director. You also did live visuals. You are like a pioneer VJ in a way. And from all of those stuff, how do you, what do you feel represents you the most from those activities, let's say? <clears throat> Ooh, thanks first. Um, <laughs> I probably go with that every year in my life or every moment I was professionally doing something or interested in something that I gave it space. So I believe most of the time I worked with music videos and, you know, band and live recording of bands. Um uh, Besides, I had as a hobby to archive and document bands. Mm -hmm. uh, live shows were not that often, you know, like I would film something or would do a music video. So it was always a very special thing. And um, at that point of my life, I just finished a full uh, documentary which will be released in cinemas about the band Dinosaur Junior. It's called Freak Scene. Freak scene. The yes. story of Dinosaur Junior. So I'm yeah. at the moment, I have to say, I love doing longer, long time projects, you know, mm -hmm. that you really have the space and the mind to, uh, you know, come up with something longer than four minutes. Mm -hmm. And that includes as well a big interest that I'm, I still haven't done a real feature film or like a, you know, fictional story, like a full length one. So that's really a big dream of mine. But at the moment, I feel really comfortable in documentary films. And there's after Freak Scene, there will be another thing as well. You made more than 40 video clips. Is that, that right? 40? Yeah. I guess it's more like 140. Ah, wow. Then I read uh, an old video. <laughs> I only, yeah, it's like really a lot of different music videos, like okay. uh, from, you know, like from DIY, no budget to, yeah. yeah. You also have a long-term relation with some bands like uh, um, Atari Teenage Riot, um, Alec Empire or uh, Dinosaur Jr., um, how do you feel, why do you think this is that you tend, if, if I'm right, to uh, have these close relations with the, with the musicians, you know? You, you think this is um, something that you do consciously or um, something that just happened because of how your story went? It's interesting. Um... It's maybe an interest in music, which always made me, you know, like like 
being magnetized by music. And the thing is, Alec Empire is my oldest friend and neighbor. You know, we kind of grew up in the same street. So I know him since childhood days. And we mm -hmm. were, you know, teenage friends. And then he started a punk band uh, on guitars. And uh, that turned into Electronica and uh, Atari. And I think it was more, it came out of friendship. I had that I took photo cameras, video cameras, and I anyway would would be with my friends. So why not, if I'm already not in the band, why not doing it something, you know, which kind of, uh, you know, that you kind of make something out of it, out of your presence in that moment. And with, with Dinosaur, maybe it was similar. We were just like really, I, I'm a big fan of, Jamascus and his music and the dinosaur band since long time and since day one and when I met him in New York it, we were just friends right away like really friends you know so and he would ask let me do some stuff visual stuff or artworks I did as well a lot of pl uh, record covers for Atari and uh, at that time for Jay as well so has to do with friendship music interest Film, love, anyway, cinematic, <laughs> and trying to, you know, give a cinematic point of view or visualize yeah. energy. But that's um, that's something where I wanted to go because um, your language being, let's say, visual language or video, and the tool you had to join the band, so to say, was uh, playing video as, the, as you would play music in a way with live visuals already like in mid 90s which um, this was not very common you know mm. um, I find that very interesting because there's a, a relation of live video and music you know it, it has this um, time based thing you know that you can play and it can go with the music and it can be part of the whole in a way For me, it's really like how you describe it. It's like <clears throat> I was really happy that at some point, I mean, it's not that the VJ mixing, you know, it's it's an evolution in art and music and visuals. So I'm not saying that the VJ mixing we did in the mid-90s was the new invention. What it was was that it was really uh, really close to the DJ culture which was at that time kind of new, you know, because there were new machines, there were all of the sudden video cards, you could you could have a Mac in 95, mm. you could buy video cards, do DIY stuff. The sample technology musicians used was basically a year later copied by video companies. And we, at that point, just used for video mixing VHS players And no, video mixers. I, yeah. I saw a video from you um, VJing with VHS uh, re, uh, players, and I was t uh, I, I totally like it also from the visual aspect, you know, mm -hmm. like playing with something very um, uh, concrete, let's say, you know, and it, the, the roughness to it in a way that uh, might have to do something, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, with certain kind of punk attitude that um, 
I, I, I know you have <laughs> because I know you as a person. <laughs> but I also realized that in the music you make collaborations with uh, either from the titles of the songs, either from the topics, either from the scene itself. Uh, it's also like post-punk world or vision in mm -hmm. a way. Is there something of that there? Yeah, or? it's like uh, the, the visual side I was like, For me, we used, for example, the VHS tapes and prepared mixtapes. What punk DJs at some point of technology did as well. And of course, then CDs, we were able to use CDs and burn stuff. So till DVDs came to scratch, we prepared on VHS. I prepared mixtapes, you know. I would use my Mac, scratch on the Mac, record it on a VHS tape and then have it ready for a two VHS deck mix. So it's kind Amazing. of funny, yeah. kind of funny. And you could shuttle certain uh, machines that you had an impression that there's a fast forward time lapse or slow motion, mm -hmm. which was without any, you know, like distortion. It just was really organic. So these two machines with a video mixer, a simple one enabled me to do big festivals And uh, yeah, Alec would, for example, play music, and we did even VJ battles. I know, yeah, it's like really DJ funny, battles. yeah. Exactly in the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> we did stuff like this even earlier, but there yeah. was then at some point some German television people thought it would be cool to have us on national television late night program live. Yeah, I saw that. Versus DJ Spooky from New York and his visual uh, partner. So that was quite something for that time because uh, we would use as well really crazy footage like like you don't show really on TV. You mean uh, using Hitler in your visual mix on national TV? We, we, <laughs> I used, I used an, my first animation. I, or I did an animation... Uh, back in the day, I think in 98, where uh, the one member of Atari Teenage Riot shoots Adolf Hitler, Hitler in his famous, in a war speech. And it's, I just yeah. took like world famous old Hitler footage and put yeah. Karl Crack in it, how he is like an, you know, Afro-American Black Panther yeah. just shoots Adolf's head away. So that was a, That's like one thing we showed. And I remember like they were pixelating it live. So there was kind of a, at that censorship. time, censorship, live censorship from the uh, directors of the show. Of But course, you never I, told them that you were going to do that. No, they were <laughs> like, they had like this probably like we did our video mixes live. They had the button to, <laughs> all right, we have to press here. But in a way, I could understand it, you know, like, it's all right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> But this whatever attitude has to do with this punk, um, let's say, approach to either music or video or live shows. Um, I think this is, sometimes you would think there's a cause, like a, you mil, you're militant for a certain cause or for a certain political view and so, but I know you are not, you have a special like whatever punk attitude 
regarding also having one only cause, you know, you don't have mm. a cause that you say, I fight for this cause. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of humanity. I can say that, you know, and I'm like not so easy to put a flag on my territory or, you know, like I don't like that too much. So you don't like flags too much. No. <laughs> Typical punk. <laughs> no. And I'm like, I'm, you know, in the mu in the visuals I did at that time uh, with Atari Teenage Ride, it was, of course, like it had, the music was really uh, system critical. Yes. And uh, for that time, there were a lot of, there were like Kosovo Wars, there was then 2000, you know, the whole yeah. World Trade Center thing came. Yeah. And it was a worldwide aggressive time, which we yeah. witnessed recently as well, like, you know, like, yeah. so, so it was kind of a reaction to a lot of bad stuff, which was going on, you and know. very provocative. A title for the song like Germany Must Die or things yeah, like that. Yeah, that was Alex, you know, Deutschland has, uh, you know, it's like, of course, what you said with punk attitude, mm. um, there is a confrontational, you know, a confrontational level you give out. And I thought we were pretty high alert with many things going yeah. like really in the face. And that made it as well artistically interesting because I basically, I'm a big fan of Dada works from the 20s and 30s. Yeah. And uh, during that time and John Hartfield and other people, you know, so um, the punk or this whole thing in a mix of the technology we were at that time in the 90s, you know, and 90s, yeah. then the switch into the new millennium You know, now we are in 21 post or in the middle of still a pandemic not yes. really stopping. It's like, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. But of course, I got older and you see the same things from that time didn't go away. Um, maybe it gets more articulated in our language more and more, certain things. Hmm. But still it's a uh, you know yeah this certainly felt like a time like a time where something could change for good also you know because it was a turning point for so many things and it was also i think <laughs> after 9-11 and so this feeling of when everything is like this this destroying itself this or destroyed there's there's also a possibility of reconstruct you know And there was this kind of feeling, especially for, uh, as you say, people that still maybe didn't live so much to realize that some things still repeat yeah, and you start seeing cycles and so. And maybe this gives you a different worldview, you know, on on things or how to be punk, for example, you know. Um, when you realize that sadly maybe some things can you are not so uh, immediate, you know, that there are cycles in history and society and culture and so on, it's not so easy to look, look through them in a way. And you, you said you met um, Alec Empire in New York, no, uh, the Dinosaur Junior in New mm. York, but you're originally from Germany. Yeah, West I'm, I'm Berlin, uh, West Berlin born. Yeah. 
and um, grew up like kind of in a suburb of northern parts of Berlin, right next to the wall. Pretty safe area. Berlin was always a cool, crazy location, you know, to grow up and yeah. uh, especially during the wall. Um, and I think this whole, yeah, the wall that we were limited with our uh, territorial freedom to, you know, you were at the end of the day, there was an end of something where you could go. And there was like self-shooting systems and German shepherds. You could see that it's like people get shot or killed if you cross that border. At the corner, at a, let's say. Yeah, at well. the corner. Like it's like where we had our forest to drive around on bikes as teenagers. Alec was there as well. Uh, it had a really sci-fi Jules Verne energy and I'm for <laughs> sure a big impact as well on certain things and point of views, you know. And Berlin was as well famous for being an island uh, in Germany. You know, people would, if they would live there, they don't have to go to the army. Hmm. Um, you, uh, there was a squatter scene, you know, and so it was always like, hmm. like a kitchen for cultural. Counterculture. Disharmony, yeah, yeah. counterculture, like totally. big time. So, and it really had a huge impact on the street life, on everything. You know, Berlin. When you would go out at night, we had the chance. At the age of fourteen, we went to shows. Our parents even would drive us and pick us up, that we could do these experiments. Yeah. So, which was fun, and. Berlin in the mid-beginning 80s and mid-80s was a crazy, really crazy place to grow up. I can imagine. Yeah. And as you said, it was the, um, the um, uh, born in, how do you say, a bed of a lot of counterculture movements and this punk and post-punk avant-garde movements. The same happened also in England, for example, in opposition to a very strict and right-wing um, society, you know. So this definitely marks a context for from which interesting uh, avant-garde movements are born, you know. Mm. And this is one of those cyclic things that you see along at, at least 20th century to hear uh, history, you know. I find that very... Um, interesting because it's taking making something good out of something creative out of very dark times usually that's true and do you think do you think uh, this marked in some way how things develop for you this experience of coming from the berlin wall and so how I feel now about or if where you, we are. If, if, if you are conscious of some incidents this had in your work or yeah. your life. I would say if we talk about Berlin now in combination with my life, I mean, I'm, I stayed in Berlin my life as a living center because I'm a father of two children. And so, it, and I was traveling always enough in my, uh, 
during the year that I never felt bored or something, you know, being, living here. Hmm. Uh, plus, like, they're just really, my family and friends are all here. So, um, but I have to say, Berlin really changed a lot. Hmm. And I cannot say that I like it too much, but things change. So I don't want to be the guy <laughs> who is living in the past and missing the past. I kind of hate that. So I'm not doing that. But it feels what happened to New York, you know, like it's somehow the classic gentrification. Uh, apartments get bought by really wealthy people and yeah, capitalism. Hello. The capitalism took over with the tentacles and, uh, sucks a lot of energies and spirits dry, you know, and mm. I think we all can see it. The pandemic was really tough for culture anyway. True, As an yeah. artist, you know, it was really hard to survive. And I'm sure I'm, I'm really talking here for a lot of people. Yeah. And so... I'm curious what happens now, actually, you know, like it, it feels like stuff is opening up when we're anyway, again, really close to a lockdown somehow. Yes. It That's feels crazy. like this is coming back again. People are a little bit too fast for political reasons. Maybe it's the polit politicians who uh, have an election soon. So it's a little bit more easy for everybody. I'm sure it changes again in winter time. Let's knock on wood. It <laughs> all will be good, but I doubt it. It's just really, uh, on one side, we are in a, in a real cultural transformation yeah. uh, caused by a global event, which makes us all react somehow. And it's Are you like, hopeful about that? Do you think this will have... Uh, maybe positive outcome it it had some positive outcomes already in some areas and in some areas it had it, it just the same old things go on you know like and i'm i'm a little bit critical with being too idealistic about things you know <laughs> i so i rather you know go on with the work i'm doing yeah and and try to Yeah, fight for the artistic life, you yeah. know, whatever that means. <laughs> And the right to party, I'm, don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like, I, I kind of, with the right for party, is for me a different topic. Um, but let's say it's important that people gather and, you know, have an exchange of energies in whatever way, you know, like sharing music together, enjoying music, dancing, like all this Hmm. Also, so, you had um, a life, a professional life similar to a musician in a way because you were going on tour a lot or presenting films at festivals or mm -hmm. doing live shows for musicians on tour also. So uh, this affects you to your activities particularly, no? Lately, not because like um, I wasn't doing that too much anymore, you know, okay. like uh, like I'm I'm not... Um, I was the last years really working on the film and longer projects and it's crazy how time consuming 
the yeah. stuff is because it's not that fast everything mm. like what is needed from you to it so it's a step by step thing which was the goes first on it was the first documentary you said no yeah Or, it's my yeah. first like documentary documentary yeah and uh, you you want to go more uh, down this route let's say format wise i think that's uh, um for me it's definitely Format wise, a thing I'm happy I did one thing and I we are like uh, creating like a network for the film right now with my partners from Rapid Eye Movies. Uh, they're from Cologne and they're super awesome film people who really, as well, it's about energy and the love for film yeah. and music. Yeah. And so we try to put our idealistic ideas into our projects you mm. know and spread it as much as we can and i i'm um i hope that i would do uh in the near future uh, a documentary about atari because i have everything filmed when it happened and i digitized everything and i'm like looking into that it's all not made in stone or cut in stone um, I don't know details or what happens or not, but it's really on top of my list. So yeah. it will be another documentary and other things would be really a feature or something, but that's all. Mm. It's interesting because you're making documentaries about bands you had a long relationship yeah. with making videos for. So in a way, sort of referential at to, uh, up to some extent, you know? Mm. It's an exploration also on your own uh, work uh, from yeah, the past. Exactly. Hmm. It's something which was filmed when it happened, you know, like, uh, which makes it really interesting as well. The next thing, when I think about the freak scene thing, I joined later in when in 2005 with a band I filmed earlier already, but like they have a visual archive I researched together with other people. And, hmm. but this time, it's me who shot everything so there is like really uh, my own visual archive involved yeah. in that and it's lying around and it makes sense to you know it's a good hmm. moment probably hmm. talking about the shooting your we are you were also cameraman in some projects and some something that surprised me a lot um was this bruno s Um, I think it's short film or medium. It's I... a documentary about Bruno yeah. S as well, a real one. It's uh, it's to people who don't know Bruno S. It's uh, the famous German uh, director yeah. Werner Herzog made. Caspar uh, Hauser, no? Yeah, Caspar Hauser and Strossek found this uh, actor who was, I don't know how to say it exactly right, but he probably was autistic and he survived Nazi experiments as a child and it's like a really moving story emotionally and Herzog um, would work with him on two of his first really successful movies which mm. caught all attention in Cannes Film Fest and won prizes in yeah. Europe so uh, my, and then he was forgotten in a way yeah and then he was forgotten he he was a, a street artist musician ah, okay. in berlin he would like uh beg like not begging but he would play music uh with his like accordion or like this quetsch you know like these little organs yeah. <laughs> and would walk around and 
my friend and partner in crime and collaborator Miron Zovnia, who is yeah. an extreme photographer and yeah, filmmaker. I know Miron. He's a very interesting artist. Yeah, yeah, he came to me. I was uh, preparing and no, I was. How is it called? Um, doing an exhibition called Global Ghetto, which I curated, and I picked okay. Miron out among Chris Cunningham, the music video director, Miron, and some other people. Wow. And that was an amazing show, Global Ghetto, in 2000. Yeah, it was, was where was it? In the Academy of Arts and Künstlerhaus ah, Britannia. Ah, yeah, sorry, the Academy of Kunst. Yeah. Hmm. And so out of that exhibition, Miron and me became like kind of friends. And he asked me if I could take a look at his... Bruno S. documentary, which wasn't unfinished, which was unfinished, and mm. he thought he needs more film and more energy. So we started mm. working on it and filming, and it took another year maybe, and then we finished it. I edited, and we had like an amazing. We had a world premiere at the Berlin Film Festival in the Panorama program, and we had a fantastic, you know, like output with festivals. With this film and it's really moving touching thing and and really exactly the opposite from what i did before that's where yeah. your, your question came from exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly and this was included in a special dvd edition with yeah. the film yeah that i watched because it was in the video library from my university when i was studying film <laughs> that is so funny yeah like uh herzog We had really funny, uh, Herzog uh, was at Toronto Film Festival with his Grizzly Man movie. Yeah. And we were there as well. Miron was there with the Bruno S. film and he recommended to everybody to watch the movie and he really liked it. And he put us on a French DVD release of all his works. We were, the film is on a French DVD Werner Herzog box set. Our movie wow. is in that <laughs> box set. Which was Amazing. a big honor and really <laughs> happy about it. Well, French for film it has to, it's a yeah. very high um, respected uh, language, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when you were in New York, is because you were living there or were you just with this dinosaur thing? And so you told me you met in New York. But you were living there at the time? No, no uh, my sister started living there. And it's funny, uh, so basically my sister started living in New York and had a boyfriend whom she married. And this guy worked with the Beastie Boys and he um, somehow, me and him were friends of course and we, I gave him the music. So at the end of the day, the Beastie Boys signed Atari for the US on their label. And uh, I was already once a year to visit my sister in New York, but from 95 on, 94, 95, 95 on, uh, Atari was working with the Beastie Boys in New York. So there was a lot of flying over there to for do work. videos for work. They did tours. I joined in and was happy to join in. Nice. And uh, my friend Jay Maskus, I met in 93, I believe, at, a par uh, at some big fest. 
and uh, we became friends. So I had like really New York as my favorite city for many years, you know. Berlin must be hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Berlin, but Berlin was cool as well. It was the beginning of the 90s, electronic, you know, mm. the the whole thing. It had been a very interesting time, yeah, I guess. Yeah. So New York, is, it felt in the 90s like a second home, my second favorite yeah. city. But which then, the before the World Trade Center fell apart, I had uh, the summer before I said to my sister, it's so weird. Somehow something is happening with New York, you know, like it's scary. I don't know what it is. And then this happened. Wow. And, you know, already before uh, New York got kind of cleaned, you know, but then after uh, 9-11, then it got, I mean, you were, even not allowed to dance. Giuliani was uh, the mayor of New York. You yeah, were not yeah, yeah. allowed to dance in a club. Can you imagine? A spe uh, you needed a license for dancing all of this. Yeah, we had that in Buenos Aires too, uh, or in the whole Argentina, I don't remember, when there was this uh, fire on a very iconic rock club. Mm. And this lasted for a couple of years that uh, it was prohibited to dance. <laughs> Wirklich, that, there were signs, thanks for not dancing. You were yeah, like, exactly. I took a photo of it. I'm yeah. like, you guys suck. <laughs> <laughs> and how was your relationship with the music industry? Uh, when did it start in a way? I have to say, uh, when it comes to bigger companies or stuff, uh, I always kind of hated it because it's <laughs> like, you know, it's the people you work with. And if from a company somebody was okay, it didn't mean that the company was okay, you know, or like True. the hmm. people behave right or treated the artist or me right, you know. So I have a really mixed feelings about major labels because I did hmm. work with uh, kind of everything in Germany, hmm. in the US, in different decades even. And it always goes and falls with the characters involved. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you can be lucky, you can't be, but at the end of the day, music industry kind of died in 96, 97, you know, like, and it was really visible for me. Uh, we were even maybe part of it that it died. Uh, I, I don't want to go that far to say that somebody did, but it was the technology And there was uh, a paradigm. There was change. a different. Hmm. There was a digital revolution happening, and that really, the internet got more and more bigger. Then, if you remember the early, uh, what was it called? The first copyright with uh, Napster. Blah yes, blah. Of course. There was like so many things. Metallica. <laughs> yeah. There were so many things happening during that time. Yeah. Which really turned the old industry upside down. I witnessed yeah. the old industry. There was like bigger budgets for everything. It was, you had a contract, then you yeah. really had a contract. And on one side, this creativity freedom was so exciting, hmm. kind of, and pirating hmm. the mainstream culture and destroying yeah. it, which is like, which was crazy at that time. It's similar Uh, to when uh, video also appeared and what happened to film industry, you yeah. know. Um, 
these are changes that affect uh, the economy or the, of the industry, the way you consume it. Uh, it changes the format also, and sometimes the narrative of mm. uh, the productions. Um, and in the case of the music uh, industry, I think in the 90s also died something that had to do with the system of, of how you would find and develop an artist or a band and so, you know, and this totally changed also with internet. Mm. Um, because basically anyone could start to upload in their own music, you mm. know. And so there was a huge change. I remember uh, Napster times already, and this was a symptom of this system that was not working uh, already, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was one thing I remember that, um, I mean, I started with 16 millimeter film cameras to shoot a music video. That was a standard you would use, you know, mm -hmm. old film technology or not old, but yeah. so this whole thing got replaced, you know, when all of a the sudden there were consumer, what you just said with the video cameras, you yes. could buy a camera for... Exactly not so much money and could do stuff then you the max were able to do video for no money so it was like really a crazy time and if you look back on that time and you look now now we are there that that change is so manifested in our daily life from the industry hmm. that artists and everybody kind of gets screwed up yeah you know and that this digital flat rate or what fuck anything <laughs> beep 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 beep, beep. <laughs> you can you can do always peeps now of course. <laughs> beep, we will add all the peeps so i don't know it's like just crazy we arrived at somewhere where you where you see that the artistic value maybe mm. of our people surviving from what they're doing is mm. like gets really difficult and it's yeah a big challenge to be an artist at these days it's yeah. like not easy and it was uh, an interesting time when you say before this change um where it was still like on CDs and the packaging and the whole mystique of having to go to the record store to get your thing. And maybe you also get a video or a compilation of videos from the label, you know, but also from the record store. And everything was more, uh, let's say, an object, you know, that you could like have in your hands and so. And this completely changed in a way. You also had a um, compilation of videos released by a label as a video clip album something like that no? yeah from digital hardcore that was recordings. like yeah well i really loved it you know it was uh the dvd technology which is even now kind of not there anymore <laughs> the all these systems people maybe not know what i'm talking about but it's like It's kind of funny, yeah. Uh, the label of Alec Digital Hardcore Recordings, they were cool with... We were doing so many music videos for the bands they had on their label. And it was just nice that there was a support to share and accept as well that these videos are part... They are kind of a product as well, you know, like in a way. In uh, many ways, I would yeah, say. Yeah, in many ways, but... Uh, From the legal side, a music video you do 
is like a buyout. You know, I do it. I have no rights on anything. You know, I get paid and that's it. So hmm. it's different than a musician, you know, like who is putting something out. So hmm. the music video thing had has, or for people who do it, maybe uh, yeah there's like it's not so protected the visual side like the audio side you know it's not so represented the out the author author yeah. maybe yeah. you know you feel you feel there's more an authoral um imprint in doing documentary as a mm. film yeah. director for example yeah right? yeah i can understand that even so it's very interesting when you have these people that could construct a name out of making music for video clips because mm. it was such a new format in a way, you know. Um, it was uh, new in a way. And there's there's some interesting uh, examples of that, especially during the 90s. I think this is something that it's not so hype anymore. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Like video clip director as someone people would recognize you know? yeah yeah it's hard i think it's just so technology i mean you can you can do an amazing music video with your iphone and effects <laughs> you have on whatever instagram you know, <laughs> talk talk or whatever TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> uh, so it's hard to you know it's just such a big competition and people as well the new generations are technically so advanced uh, musically you have to you have to do so many things they you know kids these days are already used to that starts with the social media yeah. insta blah whatever how it's produced people have amazing equipment like and they have to do so much it feels like they have to do even more than back in the day Sometimes it feels so like it feels like, like that, yeah. but that doesn't mean that they have the charisma or the talent to really take off, or you know, or, or the language, language or the energy, mm. you know. So it's hard. So I'm always to recognize a video these days from a guy. First of all, they are not. The interest of people is not before there was one TV channel in Europe which played the whole day music videos. Yeah. So people zapped in and it was a really clear target to, you know, join. Yeah. It's to spread everything. You have YouTube, you have this. There is no TV. People don't are mm. not on one easy go, you know. You have to you have the whole world. Yeah, there's an overload of information, let's yeah. say. Hmm. It's not, you know, it's not concentrated on one thing. Hmm. It's spread like crazy and there's just so many things. And so do you feel like continuing doing video clips? Yeah, I, I, I still I still like that. I haven't done the last ones I did last year. Uh, kind of have a break from it, but a healthy one, not that I don't want to do it it's just like there was not really nobody uh i'm always a big fan of music so it can happen that i even find a band really interesting and i say hey if you ever need something yeah call me yeah you know hmm. or you know and at the moment 
I think I'm so absorbed with the other stuff that the maybe I don't shine out the hey I'm doing music videos right now but I still like to do it if people ask me and now with the film uh, you are presenting um, it's uh, you are preparing like a, a tour yeah that's really uh, I'm really psyched uh, we make uh, for the freak scene the story of dinosaur junior film which is an 82-minute documentary about the band starting in the 80s. There's like tons of my favorite bands involved and nice guests in the film. So it's kind of the birth of indie rock till yeah, now. I have to say, for someone that is not so informed about this particular scene, it has a lot, I'm talking about myself, it has a lot of, Uh, music historian uh, info, you know, it's very, very full uh, on this kind of info that will help you position bands that are maybe more popular and understand where they come from or which was the influence, you know, Yeah. which uh, I found very interesting about the film. It's uh, maybe for people who don't know, it was like, uh, it's a band who, who created a, a really loud, noisy rock punk mix which got later preferred with bands like Nirvana as grunge. Exactly, that's what I want. But my yeah. film starts in 85 when they started and it goes till now and it's just an interesting band's history. It has, as I mentioned, like really nice guests from Henry Rollins to Kim Gordon, from Bob Mould to Kevin Fields. So there's Matt Dillon in it and, like you know, like interesting stories on music and their music. Yeah, because, spoiler alert, you could say that they influence early grunge music or something like that. Yeah. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're right. Hmm. So, and we, uh, we, have a, we have a theatrical release in uh, September in Germany mm -hmm. and I think uh, German-speaking countries, I'm not, they're working on details. It's difficult, as we know, with the corona to 100% yeah. plan, but... It looks like that I will be in September in all the important cities for a screening and, and you know, like that I'm in the cinema when it premieres. So yeah. there's a little tour to Hamburg, Berlin, Cologne, Düsseldorf, Munich, Frankfurt, Leipzig and stuff like that. Well, okay, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> and that too, it's amazing to go kind of on tour. Are you going also? Just yeah, 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 no, it's, yeah, nice. I'm psyched about yeah. it. Like I, I will even, I thought I'd, I'd just do it with my car. Like I would just old school, take really? my car. Old yeah, yeah. Old yeah I, go, I think I'd just take my car and make my little road time Yeah. from cinema to cinema in Germany. Amazing. Congratulations. Thanks. And thank you very much for being here. Thank you, guys. Yeah. All right. I forgot about the end part, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>